Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we are going to preview the Kentucky-Louisville basketball game Saturday at Rupp Arena. It's a noon tip-off on CBS. This isn't exactly the Kentucky-Louisville games, the basketball game that we are used to in the past this year. Kentucky is 8-4 and four fresh off that 89-75 loss at Missouri on Wednesday night. Louisville's had quite the struggle under Kenny Payne in Kenny's first year as the Cardinals coach. The Cards are 2-11 and so far on the season. To help me preview the podcast, I talked with Brett Dawson, who covers Louisville for the Courier-Journal. After we talk to Brett, you will hear Kentucky's press conference from after the game Wednesday night in Columbia after that 15-point loss at Missouri. A little bit first about Kentucky before we get into talking to Brett. Uh, If you go back and read my three takeaways from the Missouri game, I mean, this Kentucky team right now is pretty much of a mess. They've had their way with an inferior schedule at Rupp Arena. They've shot the ball well at Rupp Arena. They played pretty well there, but against lesser competition. Whenever they've had to get away, go away from Rupp Arena and step up up against tougher competition, you know, to be frank, they have not come anywhere close to meeting the challenge. They've lost by 16 points to Gonzaga out in Spokane. They lost by 10 points to UCLA up in New York, only scored 53 points in that game in the CBS Sports Classic. And then uh, the game against Missouri, they were down 42-30 at the half, trailed by as many as 21 points in the second half against the Missouri team. That is now 12 and 1 on the season under new coach Dennis Gates. Uh, but the Mizzou's made quite the turnaround from last season. The season that ended up getting Conzo Martin fired as the Missouri coach after five years in Columbia. Can Kentucky turn it around? Yes, there's time for Kentucky to turn around. After all, we were just in, we we're not even to January yet, but just some really disturbing signs. A lot of red flags about this Kentucky team. They really have trouble in the half court offense. It's hard to really see what exactly they're trying to accomplish in the half court offense. They do have periods where they're trying to get the ball into Oscar Shibway, but even then they have had difficulty doing that, turning the ball over on entry passes. It's obvious that John Calipari, so far, he just does, has not been able to find the answers he's looking for. He's used various starting lineups. He's used various substitution patterns. Jacob Toppin was expected to be a big key for this team. He, he played just 13 minutes on Wednesday night. He's been bounced from the starting lineup. He did not score, and he had three turnovers. Their shooter, C.J. Frederick, got hurt in the Missouri game. It looks like he's got a dislocated finger. Antonio Reeves did not shoot the ball particularly well at Missouri. Really, the only steady, they really had only two steady players, Oscar Sheway, who did have a big night at Missouri, and then Kaysen Wallace has been a very steady player, the freshman. You can make the case that so far, Kaysen Wallace has been the best player on the team. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, against Louisville, a Louisville team that's really struggled. Kentucky should be a big favorite in the game. But really, to tell you the truth, after watching this Kentucky team through 12 games, it's hard to know what to expect, what we'll see from the Cats on Saturday. So, okay, a little bit about Kentucky there. Now let's talk Louisville with Brad Dawson of the Courier-Journal. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my good friend and longtime good friend, Brett Dawson, who covers Louisville basketball for the Courier-Journal. How's it going, Brett? You know, John, uh, it's going. Um, got a got a had a week of furlough last week, so missed a couple of Louisville games. And some people would argue that that's a real treat for the holidays. So, you know, we'll that see was, how that was connected to forward. you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a couple of games off from this. 
Okay. Well, we got Kentucky and Louisville on on uh, Saturday. Not quite the Kentucky Louisville games that we have seen in the past. At least it doesn't uh, sh- it doesn't look like it's going to shape up to be that. I guess I guess I have to start with a question. I'm sure you've been asked a million times, "What in the world is wrong with Louisville?" I mean, we knew that <laughs> they were going to have some you know struggles this year, but I don't think anybody expected it to be this bad. And or did you? Did you expect it to be this bad? No, I, I didn't expect it to be good. And in fact, I remember I had a conversation with a, a local media person here in Louisville who I won't uh, name, who, who told me at the beginning of the year, you know, I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think they are. And I was like, I, I do. You know, I think they're going to be about as bad as people think. But I think this is beyond what we thought, because even as the most pessimistic person, I think you would have thought, and I don't think I was the most pessimistic person about Louisville, but I certainly thought, I thought they'd be two and one going to, to Maui at the least, you know, I thought Bellerman was a real possibility that they could lose Bellerman. You've seen Bellerman. That's a hard opener for anybody. It's not a great opener if you don't have a very good team. Um, but you know, I, I thought, you know, you think two and one, then they go to Maui and maybe they get one and maybe they don't. And then after that, I, I think, I probably underestimated their schedule a little. In fact, I was definitely guilty of rolling my eyes a little when Kenny talked about how good it was. But Maryland is better than I thought. Miami is better than I thought. And so their schedule has been really tough. Um, but also personnel-wise, you know, Sidney Curry's played better the last couple of weeks, but he's not been the player we thought. L. Ellis, um, I think I probably – I might have overestimated how impactful he would be, but I don't think so. I think I underestimated how – bad the other guards are how how desperately they needed more help there uh in the backcourt he's really their one legitimate kind of division one caliber ball handling playmaker at this point uh and that you know you can't have one you know like you'd like to have five um having one is real problematic and so yeah they're worse than i thought i mean i think Losing those first three games hurt their confidence a little bit. And I should say, by the way, going into the season, I was not convinced they'd be two and one going to Maui because they lost to Lenore Ryan in that exhibition game. And that's when you start to think, okay, this is, there's some alarming stuff here. So um, in terms of what is wrong, that's the biggest thing. They've, they've not gotten some production they need from some veteran guys. They don't have enough playmakers. Uh, they just don't have enough good players. Uh, and then, if you want like a bottom line issue, they just give the other team the ball way too much for a team that isn't very good offensively, and it's hard to make up for that. Right, right. Uh, okay. Well, then you got Kenny Payne, who's a first-year head coach. Now you hear some people say, which I, the start that they they were currently two and eleven, that it is Kenny in over his head. How much of this is coaching? Do you see it as primarily personnel, or is it a combination of both? How do you see it so far? Yeah, I think you, you can only be this bad, I think, with some combination of both. And look, there was going to be a learning curve for Kenny. You know, the, the old cliche is like the guy's never called a timeout. And I guess Kenny had, because as you and I know, Cal's got a little short fuse every now and then. So sometimes <laughs> Kenny did get to coach a couple of games. He right. got to to be the acting coach maybe twice, I want to say. I think that's um, And I think I think maybe undefeated. So he they, they might want to petition to get those on his record as a coach. Um, but I, you know, he, there was obviously going to be some of that. And I think his demeanor is, it's sort of interesting. Cal talked about this a little bit when they were together at that, uh, chamber event in Louisville at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, Kenny's been kind of, Cal didn't use this phrase, but he's been the, the good guy, the good cop right. sort of. Um, and so I think learning to, to, to be tougher on guys, 
uh, is a little bit different experience. And so I think his demeanor has, has ruffled some feathers. There were some fans very upset by a shot of him on the bench with L Ellis, um, you know, in a game on the road where L I think that was Florida state where, where L was having a lot of turnover problems. Louisville was getting hammered and, and L was on the bench and Kenny was kind of smiling and, and Kenny's gone into that. He's explained that whole situation and you know how you can't just pile on the guys all the time and you have to have a balance. I think he's finding some of that. I think, you know, frankly, I think there's some people who would tell you that offensively they don't look super progressive and they don't look super modern. And they, they have some of the same complaints that people have about his old boss. You know, Um, people have talked about that with John Calipari. So I do think he's learning some things. I think, you know, he's done some things. He he pulled out a zone against Western Kentucky that really was a necessity thing because of some foul trouble, but it, it did give it a different look that I think was a really important piece in that beating Western that and a, and a real outlier shooting night. But the, the zone helped a lot because Western's offense was very good in the second half, but was pretty stymied in that first half by that zone, looked a little perplexed by it. Louisville really hasn't played it. So he's done some things here and there. He's trying some personnel stuff, trying to get a secondary playmaker out there. Um, you know, he, he's doing some things, but I think some of this certainly falls on an inexperienced first year coach, Um, I think the bigger issue is the roster and how much of the roster falls on him is, you know, in this day and age is a little more debatable than it is with most first year coaches because they didn't have success in the transfer portal on a big scale the way some other programs have. Yeah, why didn't they? What happened on the transfer portal? Because I thought, you know, people ask me, you know, I I was one of the ones that wrote that Kenny would be the perfect pick for Louisville. You know, he's a former Louisville player. He's been an assistant coach at high level. He's been an assistant coach at the NBA. People said, well, is he going to be able to get players? And I was like, yeah, he'll, he'll be able to get players. He'll be able to recruit. But as you said, they pretty much whiffed or on what they needed in the transfer portal. How did that happen? Yeah, they added one. A pretty impactful player, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, but, you know, a power forward, almost modern center type guy, which they have, you know, and so what they really needed was backcourt help and they didn't get it. And I think there's a couple of factors there. One, I think maybe they underestimated how badly they just needed able bodies. They took pretty big swings in the transfer portal. You know, the, the guard they wanted most real clearly was Tyrese Hunter from Iowa state who ended up at Texas. He's a really good player and you can see why they would have wanted him and he would change the outlook of this team. I think they'd look very different, but they didn't even get a visit. Um, and so, you know, they were on the list, but how significantly they were on the list, I don't know. And so I do think some of that was that they aimed pretty high thinking they could, could get some pretty big names and didn't. And then I think maybe didn't have enough fallback options. Um, and really, they could have used some guys, even of the caliber of guys they had last year. Because last year's team, you know, there were some guys, Jared West and Noah Locke. Those guys were not, they're not star players. It was a 13 and 19 team, but able-bodied guards. I think they could have used some more of them. And then I think the thing Kenny says, and I think it's fair, and, and I like it as a reason, because it's a one-year thing. He can't cling to it. Um, is that they, they did have the IARP ruling hanging over them. They didn't know for sure if they might be out of the NCAA tournament by force. As it turns out, you know, maybe they should have just booted on it. But um, they didn't know. They thought there was a chance the NCAA could say no. And when you're dealing with transfers and, you know, oftentimes guys who are going to play one year, uh, that's tricky. It's a tricky thing to navigate. Now, you can certainly push back and say, Arizona is an awfully good program with this hanging over their head and Kansas won the national championship and has a different team. and looks very good again. Um, you know, LSU was able to bring some guys. It helps when your coach brings some guys, but they were able to bring some guys in without 
certainty about that. And so I think that's a fair pushback. And I think I'm basically willing to just sort of say, maybe it's fair and maybe it wasn't, but you know what, they don't have it anymore. So we can just move on. And, and what happens this year in the transfer portal will tell us a lot about where they're going. Yeah. Uh, normally I would ask about what are the keys for Louisville on Saturday, but let, let me phrase it this way for Louisville to, to have any chance of the rest of the season of being in any way, halfway respectable or at least improving, uh, who's got to come through for them? I know you mentioned Els, but I mean, are there other guys who've got to step it up and and maybe you've seen a little progress from them and they need to continue that? Or are there guys that have just got to play better? Yeah, I mean, I, they need Curry to keep doing what he's doing. He was such a reliable piece for them at the end of last year and just not good at all at the beginning of the year. It was out of shape. Um, just his effort was really lacking. And that has turned around some. Kenny has has kind of gotten him on a different diet. Um, Kenny talked before the break. Well, before my break, I say it's not really. They, they are currently on a break, but this was before I took one. Um, about getting him on a different kind of diet, calling him at one in the morning and, you know, making sure he was eating right and doing the right things. And, and that seems to have helped. He shed some pounds. He's moving better. He's able to play more minutes. And that's that's helped them. But I think to me, and I felt this way from the very beginning of the year, the guy to me who turns them, if they can turn, and I don't know to what degree they can, but if they can get better, if they can have a chance to, to beat some of the teams, I think it's Kamari Lands, the freshman, 6'8 wing. He's a guy who they're asking him to do some stuff he hasn't done. He's playing off the ball a lot. He really was like an on-ball guy in high school, even though he was 6'8". He had the ball a ton. He was creating offense, not necessarily a point guard, but really a guy who who set up other people and got his own shot off the dribble. And they don't really want him doing that. They want him kind of, you know, a quick decision maker. If the ball swings to you and you're open, shoot it or drive it. Uh, if it's not, don't dribble the ball and survey the floor. Swing it and keep the ball moving. Um, and I think he can fit into that role. And I think as he gets more comfortable, maybe you can expand his ball handling responsibilities a little bit. But he's just he's the one guy on the team and he's off to a, he's he's been off to a terrible start. He's been a little bit better lately. I think through the first eight or nine games, he was shooting 19% from the floor. He's really struggled to make shots, but he's turning that around a little bit. He's gradually getting better. And he's one of the only guys on the team, I think, who they can put out there, who has the right positional size and also can be a little bit of a secondary creator for them, ultimately. Um, and I think if they're going to get dramatically better, and at this point, you know, dramatically better would be, could they get to 10 wins? Um, he'll He'll be a big part of that. Okay, so how do you see this? matchup on Saturday, this specific matchup. Do you see Louisville having any chance? Obviously, Kentucky's struggling right now. Coming off that loss, we're, we are recording this on uh, Thursday morning, coming off that 15-point loss last night at Missouri. Kentucky's 0-3 against quad one teams. Uh, obviously, Louisville's not a quad one team, yeah. but how do, you see the, how do you see the matchup on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two ways of looking at it, right? And, and like, statistically, I'm looking at Kempom right now. And like any Kempom, when you pull up the matchup data, it's kind of like a Christmas tree. There's some red, there's some green. Um, but this is like striped decorations, you know, like Louisville's almost all red and Kentucky's pretty much all green. The numbers would tell you that Louisville has no reasonable shot of winning. They're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, they're even worse, really, as a two-point shooting team. They're ranked 321st out of, I think, 363. Their offensive efficiency is 311 um, they turn the ball over on 24% of their possessions. So just think about that. A quarter of the time they are running offense, they give it to the other team. Right. That's bad. That's really bad. And Kentucky's 
good. They're not great at forcing turnovers, but they're good at it. Um, and I think the thing about Kentucky is, as you very well know, you've seen every Kentucky game. I have not, but my impression of Kentucky, pretty bad half-court offensive team. But if they turn you over and get in transition, they're pretty good. Um, you know, I did watch them in the Bahamas where they basically only ran transition and they looked like they could win the G League title, you know. Right. Um, but but you get them into a half-court game, slow it down. That's been pretty bad. Oscar Shibway doesn't read a defense very well. Their point guards are kind of a mixed bag in terms of initiating offense. Um, and so I, I think if you're turning the ball over on 24% of your possessions, if you're Louisville, I don't think you can win. I don't think you have any chance. Now, the other way that you look at the game, I think not statistically, is is there any kind of psychological thing? And I think the precedent you might look for there is the Western Kentucky game where WKU is in a really odd spot where they have to beat Louisville, right? Louisville has not won a game. You can't be the guy, if you're Rick Stansberry, who loses for the first time this season to Louisville. You can't be the guy that, that gives Louisville their first win. And Western's never in that position. And so the game pressure is all on them. And Louisville shoots the ball great. And their turnovers are managed. And they win. They win going away. Is it comfortable? Western never got closer than 10 after Louisville got it up to about uh, 14, I think, in the second half. They never cut it back to a single-digit deficit. And so I do wonder about that part of it. Um, you know and I know playing at Kentucky. I mean, if you didn't know this, John Calipari will tell you all the time, playing Kentucky is not easy. Um, and I, I think there's probably is a lot of game pressure on those guys coming into this game. And so if they're tight, and I think they've looked to me anecdotally, they've looked up tight against good teams. Yes. Um, Louisville's not a good team, but if they're up tight about the idea of the matchup, if there's any, any, any tension about, oh my gosh, if we lose this game, what does that mean? Then I do think Louisville can take advantage of that. Whether they're good enough to put them over the top in a game like this, I would suspect not. But, you know, Kenny knows what they run. Kenny runs what they run. Um, you know, if it's competitive and the game gets kind of tight, how does Kentucky handle that? I think that's pretty interesting. For somebody who hasn't seen all Kentucky games, you pretty much summed it up. Yeah, they're they're terrible in the half court. They play <laughs> tight. They don't play loose. So yeah, you pretty well summed it up. Uh, although you might be stretching it by saying that Kenny knows what Kentucky runs because I don't think Kentucky right now know what, especially in the half court offense, <laughs> knows what it runs. Uh, if any, as I tweeted last night, if anybody can figure out what they're trying to run in half court, let me know, because I have no idea. But uh, well, anyway. and, but, and look, they don't run a ton. We've always right. known that. And Louisville's kind of the same way. Kentucky's really built on simple uh, offense based on having the better players. I mean, that's really what it is. And that's not to, I'm not, when I say that, I'm not taking shots at Cal. That's what they do. Any coach will tell you, any scout will tell you that's what they do. He's won a lot of games that way. Yeah. Because he's had superior talent. I don't think he has superior talent <clears throat> on this team, particular team. But it's still it's still Kentucky and Louisville on Saturday, despite uh, despite everything else. It's still Kentucky, Louisville, Saturday noon uh, at Rupp Arena. The game is on CBS. Uh, Brett, remind the listeners how they can fo- find you on Twitter and how they can follow your work uh, leading up to, during, and after the game on Saturday. Yep. When I tweet, which isn't always, it's uh, at B Dawson writes W R I T E S and everything's at couriergjournal.com. We, um, we will have a lot of Louisville Kentucky stuff in the next couple of days. Not much up yet, but a whole lot coming, uh, tomorrow and Saturday morning. Yeah. You're telling me you're working on uh, something on Kenny before we start recording on Kenny about yeah. coming back. Yeah. You know, we talked in the summer about this when I first had a chance to sit down with him just about what that would be like. And then I talked to his son, Zan, about it a little bit. Zan obviously having transferred a little bit of a lost storyline. Normally that would be a pretty big story, but the game is not as big a story as normal. And Zan just doesn't play very much. 
Um, but yeah, talking to, to those guys about what that's going to be like, you know, a place that for Kenny is really special to him, uh, where he won a title where he spent 10 years. Um, you know, Cal Perry's talked about that. Some, some of the former Kentucky players I've talked to have talked about that and, and spoiler alert on that. Those guys love Kenny, but it's not going to do much for their rooting interest in the game. They're, they're sticking with the, the guys in blue. So, um, but, but it's a fun sort of side story to this that I think is, Again, in a normal year, that would probably be a big giant story. Kenny right. Payne's coming back. If they were eleven and two, we'd be talking about it quite a lot. I think it's it's like a lot of uh, sort of sidebars to this game. It's lost a lot of luster, uh, given that you know one of these teams is struggling a little bit and one is historically bad. Yeah, right. Okay, well, Brett, uh, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thanks for being on the podcast, and I encourage everybody to check out Brett's work. Thanks, John. See you, Rob. Okay, my thanks to Brett Dawson of the Career Journal. Be sure and check out all of his work covering Louisville basketball. I also want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Check out my sidelines blog after the game. We have three takeaways on Saturday. We'll have plenty of coverage from the game on Saturday. I want to thank everybody who supports our work at at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. Click on that subscription tab on Kentucky.com. Check out all the offers for subscriptions to Kentucky.com and the print edition of the Lexington Arrow Leader. I want to thank everybody who supports the podcast. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio podcast. Leave us a rating and review that helps get the word out about the podcast. We also had a podcast previewing the Kentucky Iowa matchup in the Music City Bowl, where I talked to Tom Cakert of HawkeyeReport.com and John Hale of Kentucky.com. So check that out as well. After the break, you're going to hear Kentucky's press conference after the game Wednesday night in Columbia, where the Cats lost to Missouri 89-75. You'll hear from Oscar Shibway, Kaysen Wallace, and then John Calipari. Oscar, it appeared in the first half, Mizzou was in three guys at you every time you touched it. Is that are you pretty used to that by now? Is that or was that any different than any other game? Uh, I'm used to it. And the coach had a little bit game uh, changing plan for me to catch a little bit more up there. But the way they're playing it was a little bit up there. Were just coming, keep coming. Um, that's how it was. Oscar, can you describe what impressed you about their player Kobe Brown tonight? Yeah, they shoot the ball really good. Um, I just got to say for my team, we got to play smart and we got to defend. We got to kill and defend and uh, it just, I got to grab my team. We got to get together and we got to talk. We got to figure this out. We got special talent. We just got to come together as a team. We got to know when we got to take a good shot. We got to know when we got to slow it down. Because it seems like uh, we're kind of rushing in many, many shots. But we're going to get there. You think team chemistry is where it needs to be right now? Um, no. No, I think um, we got a lot of work we got to do because uh, we are pretty good. We understand that the coach has done a great job for us. So he just asked, Coach, you got to go in. He had a great uh, team play. Uh, we're going we're gonna to play. We, gotta, he, we were expecting to win. He just, we got killed a lot on one-on-one and uh, three-point shoot. Me, myself, I got to step up because the big man, Kobe, was shooting the ball really good. I got to be on up on him to make it, him to start a drive. So I got to do better. 
there's a big emphasis on toughness and physicality just the last week or two. Does it concern you at all that that was kind of a, a wasn't necessarily there tonight? Uh, tonight, physicality was kind of down a little bit for us, to be honest. We got to step out. We got to be stronger. You cannot just let it, people come in and try to bully, bully, bully us like a little kid. We got to get better. We got to get better. Casey, you pride yourself on, on your defense, and yet these teams come in and they shoot so well on, on you. How, how would you assess your defensive effort? Um, today, you would just scout, you know, knowing who the shooters were, and they made a lot of shots. And I mean, some of them we were there, but you know, some people we were helping off of, and they made shots. So, I mean, they're a good team. So. Thanks, guys. He was difficult last year for us to stop. And he, what he's added is now you got to space out on him because he can make threes. And uh, look, Missouri would have beat a whole lot of teams the way they played tonight. And they beat us pretty good. But that first half was just, you know, and we were still in the game. And then you start to half and give up a basket and one. And now you're down 15 when you were down 12 and you had a chance. We got it to eight or nine. And then we go turnover, three turnover, it's 8-0 run. What? Those aren't my team. So I got to go back and really figure out, you know, some of it's personnel. I think we got good players, and but some guys aren't playing great. I mean, uh, CJ being out um, hurt us, but it gave Adu a chance, and Adu did pretty good. But look, you got to give them credit. That was what they did to us. Um, you know, I I look and and uh, you know some of the stuff like wasn't bad. You know, uh, but 14 turnovers and some of them, all of them, at like critical times. Um, but they're good when they shoot the ball the way they shot it. And again, we miss free throws again. And I'm trying everything from mental to you know, shoot 100 to we're shooting one-on-ones. If you miss, we run. I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of stuff, but I don't want to make it that big an issue. But it is when you get the game to where it was, if we had made some free throws, now it may be four or five, and it's a little different feel to it. But I, I give them credit. They, uh, they deserved to win the game, and they deserved because of how they played. A couple of those, John, were... Missouri had gone to a zone, uh, and after you cut it to eight, I think it was nine, I think, and then they went to zone and come down and get two threes right in a row. And just reacting to that. Yeah, they. we ended up uh, playing it a little different. You know, I was trying to uh, do some lob stuff, and they, they muscled a the guy off, and we weren't able to get it. But um, we ended up saying we're going with our two bigs. You're spread out, and that's what we did. Uh, but we had a turnover. We got it in the middle where we wanted it, and the guy bounces it out. Boom, they make it three. I got to call a timeout. They come back. and um, But I thought when we settled in, we were we were fine against the zone. I thought we played too wide at the top. But John, you've dealt with difficult lineup challenges before, and you've been successful. What is it about this team that, that makes it so challenging? Well, we're different because we got Oscar. 
you could say, well, let's just come down and have everybody out on the floor. You have Oscar. So you got to play a little different. The issue becomes if they don't play a couple of the guys on the floor, now Oscar's got three guys around him. That's an issue for us. So we've got to figure out some of it. I told him at halftime, come down and throw him the ball. And we still, I thought, some of them, what happens, he's open. It's a dogfight in there. So if you go like this and then try to pass it to him, that guy's fighting to get around. He's fighting to keep him behind. There were opportunities to throw it in and do that. But again, you know, we, uh, um, I mean, we had like five wide open shots and didn't make them. That takes the wind out of your sails. And you don't have to make them all, but how about go one for five or two for five? Um, so, but we'll see. I Look, I haven't lost any faith. I've been through tough stuff, and uh, um, I knew this would be a hard game, but I thought we would play better. I knew they would play better because they just beat Illinois, and they're making shots, and they're, you know, they're doing, uh, they're being aggressive and doing some good stuff. But I thought we, I liked the fact that they were going to spread the court on us because I thought we could get run downhill and get threes. And we did. And we missed them all. I didn't. I, I thought we were. This was the game we wanted to play. Um, but they did a good job. Uh, in the end, they ground. They ground it out like my teams do. I mean, you get that lead, and now we're going to grind it. We're going to shoot late in the clock. Get a back door. Make a tough three. Um, they were good today. I, I give uh, all the credit to uh, Missouri. John, Oscar said the physicality maybe wasn't where he thought it needed to be tonight from your team. Did you see a difference in, in that between the two teams or not? Um, well, they, they have played physical most of the year. They're, they're going to bump and grind. They're older. Um, um, we had a couple guys that when the game got physical, they couldn't be in there. And so that's what I did was, okay, who will fight? Who's going to battle? And that's who I put in. Now you're giving up some offense, you're giving up some stuff, but um, like I said, we're, uh, we're a work in progress. I said it a while ago, it's gonna take some time. Oscar being out, he did some better stuff today, um, but he's still not where he was a year ago. He had knee surgery, he was out four weeks. So, um, but again, we go from the foul line, 15 for 24. I know, tough. I know it's tough after a loss, but you know, in the early stages, what's impressed you about what Dennis Gates has done with this program so far? What's that? I know it's tough after a loss, but you know, in the early stages of his time here, what's impressed you about Dennis Gates and what he's been able he's to do? He's done a great job. What he's done is he's put in a, a formula that this team, this is how they will succeed the way they're playing. We need to steal some baskets. So we're going to fly it ahead. And in, in the first half, they got 10 transition baskets on us, or 10 points. Um, you know, we had our share too, but that's one of the things he's doing. And then they're being aggressive with the press and cutting into your time in the half court. Um, and he's okay if you're getting shots off. So, and you know, if someone makes them, it, they'll probably play different. The zone, um, we knew and we had worked because he has done it most games where at some point he just, all right, we're going zone and we're playing it. 
And, um, you know, that the one turn. And, but Lance fought like heck. I mean, like I said, I, I still like the group. I like the locker room. You know, we're, we're a work in progress. And we gotta, there's things we got to do uh, that we're not doing. Um, but, you know, I grabbed a couple guys after by themselves with me. You know, are you okay? And, you know, I love you. You got to play better. You know, so, but losing stinks. Can't stand it. But we got to step up to the plate and, and, you know, maybe play less people. Damien is the next guy that gets his opportunity now. Let Damien get in there and play and do his thing, and we'll see. You have an update on CJ? I did not see him, but the trainer told me at halftime he's, he's, uh, he's out for the game. And I think the kid told me he, he did something to it. He dislocated it. Okay. Thanks, folks. Happy New Year. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Brett Dawson. My thanks to everybody for listening. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Check out my three takeaways after the game on the Sidelines blog. I also have a Twitter feed of live updates from the game on Saturday at Rupp Arena. It's a noon start, Kentucky and Louisville on CBS. Be sure and check out the coverage of that game and also the football game, Kentucky and Iowa in the Music City Bowl. John Hale and Mark Story will be down in Nashville to cover that game. Ben Roberts, uh, myself, and Cam Drummond will be at the game at Rupp for the basketball game. Thanks again to Brett Dawson. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.